One Week Season. One Week Season fam, La Familia. Welcome back. It is Mike Johnson, M Johnson 86, as I'm known in the best ball and DFS streets. I am coming to you today on Monday, June 19th, with our one week season best ball plus Monday news and market updates podcast. We are playing this on our best ball plus um, podcast feed as well as our free feed that you can find on Spotify and other major platforms. So any new listeners, welcome. Uh, just a reminder what our Best Ball Plus product schedule looks like. Every Monday we have this podcast. On Tuesday I do a game theory training session focused on DraftKings and drafters and non-Best Ball Mania uh, topics as well as focuses on things like um, bankroll, allocation, contest selection, uh, things of that nature, how to make the most of our uh, money and likely limited constrained budgets. Um, on Wednesday, Hilo, uh, my esteemed colleague, brings us his underdog theory. On Thursdays, Hilo digs deep into uh, aspects of game theory and applies them to the game of best ball. And on Friday, we have our weekly uh, podcast or uh, live stream with guests from around the industry. Hilo had a great one this last Friday with Dwayne McFarland, um, or sorry, with Sam Sherman. Uh, Dwayne McFarland uh, was the week before. Hilo keeps uh, knocking those out of the park. Um, highly recommend you check those out if you have not. A lot of evergreen things discussed on those podcasts um, and those live streams, um, and always good to uh, just see those discussions and hear those um, things being bounced around uh, among some really sharp minds. So kind of getting to, to eavesdrop on, on those discussions is very valuable. So uh, we'll move on with it today. Our Monday podcast, again, this is focused on news and market updates uh, from the previous week. We're going to kick it off talking about the Joe Mixon rumblings um, coming out of Cincinnati, there's reports uh, the Bengals, quote-unquote, still really like what he brings to the table. Um, but that, Cincinnati knows, uh, Mixon's contract is an outlier compared to this year's salaries. And basically, it sounds like Cincinnati is aware of the uh, Dalvin Cook situation. They're aware of um, what's available on the market that while Mixon is is a fit for what they do, uh, there are other options that they can tap into. Mixon is due $12.3 million in salary this year. Um, the Bengals are trying to figure out uh, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins contracts, long-term extensions. Uh, Jamar Chase will be coming down the line soon as well. So, um, you know, they might have to make some tough decisions there. Uh, the, the biggest thing to take from this is, um, post-draft, Mixon's uh, average draft possess- position has shot up. He's kind of a consistent fourth, fifth round pick at this point. After the Bengals didn't draft a running back, um, people felt um, the industry consensus 
became very strong about Mixon, um, that he's kind of their only guy left. And, um, you know, reading the tea leaves, people are thinking uh, he's safe and kind of a value. Uh, you know, this report kind of shows us that he's not safe from being cut. Uh, and he also has legal issues pending. The thing that's interesting to me about this is three or four weeks ago, um, you know, I discussed how the Dalvin Cook situation could kind of be the first domino to fall um, in a cascading running back situation throughout the league. And certainly I don't think it's a coincidence that now the Bengals are starting to play hardball. Um, Mixon also has legal issues pending uh, from an incident that happened uh, back in January, I believe, January or February. Um, so certainly a, a lot going on. He's not safe from being cut. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott all would make sense as guys who the Bengals could sign, um, who could they could cut Mixon and sign those guys uh, for a fraction of what they owe Mixon. You know, uh, Dalvin would probably still cost them somewhere in the five to eight million dollar range, but if that four or five million dollar savings helps them uh, secure Joe Burrow's long term contract, certainly. That is going to be their priority. Uh, the most likely outcome on this, the real, the Bengals have the leverage. Um, Mixon is likely going to have to cave at some point and accept a pay cut. Um, but it's just important to be aware of what is going on. Um, there's a lot more red flags, a lot more questions about uh, Mixon's situation than um, his current draft position would indicate. I think that kind of just swaying away from the market is the way to go here. Uh, as Mixon has uh, risen, his, his cost has risen the last month. Um, I have kind of been staying away. Uh, if these negative reports start to tank his draft position and he's falling into like the sixth round again, sixth, seventh round, um, then I would be buying because, like I said, I still think the most likely outcome is Mixon stays with the Bengals just at a cheaper price tag. Um, but I'm not willing to pay uh, the premium for him that he currently costs. So moving on, another um, Ohio football running back situation. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, Jerome Ford, the hype train, chugs along once again. Um, everything coming out of Cleveland has been positive about Ford for the last month. Um, Kareem Hunt, they let walk in free agency, another team that uh, decided to pass on the running back position in the draft. And since then, uh, Nick Chubb has been the one most talked about as a beneficiary. But the reality is Cleveland has used multiple running backs for a long time. They have tried to keep uh, Nick Chubb healthy and um, limited his workload, not used him as a full bell cow back. Um, reports are that if the Browns sign another running back, it wouldn't be a big name guy who would jump forward on the depth chart. So, uh, you know, some level of job security there with Ford in the number two job and with all the positives coming out of camp um, from his coaches, from his teammates, from reporters around the team, uh, there's a lot of smoke there. And when you consider the offense he's tied to with a dynamic quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who's been with the team now for over a year uh, and has gotten rid of a lot of those off-field distractions. Um, 
Then you add in a very good receiving core and weapons and one of the top offensive lines in the league. Ford is someone we should be very interested in um, when we get into those uh, you know, 13th to 16th rounds, um, you know, the middle double-digit rounds, and we're looking for high upside players uh, who can kind of catapult our teams. Um, moving along now, we will talk about the Arizona Cardinals. So Clayton Toon, the rookie quarterback out of Houston. Clayton is Clayton Toon is extremely athletic and fast. Um, he was the second most athletic quarterback in this year's rookie class behind Anthony Richardson. Um, he His skill set kind of would fit well uh, when you think about it schematically and from a philosophy standpoint. If you are a new head coach coming in, obviously we know Kyler Murray coming off his ACL. It's uncertain when he will be ready to play. Uh, reports are that he's likely to miss at least some time to start the season. Um, but with a new coaching staff there, uh, you have to think about it from a uh, big picture standpoint. You're trying to implement a new system. You're trying to get your team uh, ready to play and teach them the concepts and play the way you want to play. And so much of that is going to be built around your quarter, the quarterback position. Um, Colt McCoy the veteran there, along with David Blau. Uh, those two are uh, not very dynamic, not very athletic, don't move very well. So uh, if you're designing an offense, trying to fit it uh, for Kyler Murray, and you don't want to completely do things differently uh, as you're kicking off uh, your era with the team, uh, going with the rookie who has that physical profile that fits uh, would make a lot of sense. Uh, bigger picture things are looking bleak for the Cardinals. If we're talking about Clayton Toon potentially starting uh, early in the season, um, which is kind of what the reports um, from some uh, writers around the team. Again, there's a lot of times where this is just speculation and we don't want to take uh, beat reporters words, their opinions, um, too seriously, but also, you know, it, it makes some sense. And bigger picture, the fact that this is even being tossed around is really, really a bad sign for the Cardinals' outlook this season. So, um, you know, it's it, it's it's alarming when you think about guys like Marquise Brown and Rondale Moore, who after the DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins release, uh, their ADPs have... Uh, risen significantly. Um, a lot of risk around those players now. Uh, you think about a guy like James Conner, who uh, certainly should be a... He's going to project well in projection systems, and um, just looking at their team, he's going to be expected to have a big workload. But the reality is, uh, he's he's a veteran back, and if, this, if things... And he's been... Uh, He's had some durability concerns. He's been banged up throughout his career. And if things turn bad for the Cardinals, um, you know, we we talk a lot about the fantasy playoffs in weeks 15 to 17, how valuable they are. Um, how bad are things going to look for the Cardinals at that point in the season? What does that mean for Connor's usage? What does that mean for if he is battling some nicks and, and injuries? 
Um, do they shut him down? Do they go with younger players? So just a, a lot of uh, skepticism from my end on the Arizona situation. So as far as Toon goes, um, his athleticism and dual threat ability shouldn't go unnoticed in fantasy. Uh, he would make sense as a last round pick on DraftKings or drafters where we get those 20 roster spots. Um, he could start games early before Murray comes back. Um, even if he doesn't, when you think about the, uh, you know, what Toon brings to the table, uh, that dual threat ability, that brings a high ceiling. And when you think about that, if the Cardinal season does go down the drain, even if Toon doesn't start games early in the season, um, whether Kyler Murray comes back or not during the season, uh, Toon could be starting games late. Uh, he could be starting games uh, late in the season if if the Cardinals are three and eleven. Like, why wouldn't you just roll this guy out there and, and you know give him some chances? At that point, you're almost playing uh, for the top pick. So uh, that's right during the best ball playoffs. So that that provides uh, an opportunity where you could have a low owned guy with a high ceiling. Um, and if you were to add him as a th- third quarterback on uh, a team who uh, maybe didn't get any of the premium guys, you could kind of get a cheat code into um, keeping up with some of those premium quarterbacks in the playoff weeks um, and y- while you're stronger at other positions. So just an interesting theory concept. And for those of you who are listening on the free podcast feed and are not a part of Best Ball Plus, uh, just kind of a little glimpse into uh, kind of how we look into some of these situations and find uh, different theories and angles that we can uh, try to exploit there. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about some hype around some, I guess, secondary wide receivers throughout the league. Uh, first, Allen Robinson for the Steelers. Reports are he is thriving in the slot, uh, especially uh, around the goal line. He's been um, featured and has been uh, performing very well. Uh, shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, Robinson is a big-bodied receiver. He's a veteran. Um, he's He's been good in the slot at other points in his career. Uh, we look at when he was um, two years ago with the Bears. Uh, things were not very good under Matt Nagy. Uh, Justin Fields was a rookie. That was kind of a train wreck. Robinson's um, is he didn't grade out very well in most metrics and evaluations. Then last year, uh, he went to the Rams, signed a big contract, had higher expectations, but they cast him as like a outside perimeter boundary receiver, uh, trying to win one-on-one matchups against top um, top perimeter corners, while Cooper Cup uh, was getting all the interior work. Uh, which made sense for the Rams, but uh, for Robinson didn't really highlight his skill set. So he's really interesting to me as a talented player who should be in a spot to kind of take better advantage of his skill set. And when you think about um, Deontay Johnson has never been a big touchdown scorer. Uh, George Pickens is more of a contested catch deep down the field type of player, doesn't have quite as much nuance to his game. Um, Robinson does seem like he could fit uh, and could see consistent volume. He should be a starter and has that touchdown upside uh, that can really break through. And when you look at him going in the 18th, 19th, 20th round of drafts, 
Um, definitely very intriguing uh, player. Uh, next, looking at Paris Campbell, uh, the Giants wide receiver, another talented player who has changed teams this offseason. Uh, reports coming out of New York that Campbell will, quote-unquote, be a featured piece of the offense. Um, they're also saying he's kind of been lining up all over the field, including in the backfield, and there's just signs that he's going to be schemed touches. Uh, that is a very crowded wide receiver room, uh, but Campbell's skill set, his his speed stands out, um, and he has been a player who has uh, shown flashes throughout his career, but has battled a lot of injuries. And when you look at uh, just his physical profile and makeup, uh, certainly does have uh, the opportunity where it wouldn't be shocking if he did emerge um, from this large collection of wide receivers the Giants have. So uh, Campbell, another interesting piece um, there. Uh, and finally, talking about Sky Moore, the Chiefs, uh, Sky Moore is being talked up by both Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, performing well at camp. Um, you know, he is a player that uh, disappointed in year one. Uh, this year as a sophomore, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I um, still have a lot of questions around him, but also uh, you can't ignore a player uh, who is likely to be on the field a good amount with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, certainly some positive vibes there, and we want to keep an eye on that. Next, we will talk about Cam Akers, uh, running back for the Rams. Sean McVay was quoted this week as calling Akers, quote-unquote, a central figure of the offense. Um, my response to that is, no kidding, uh, Akers is a stud prospect. Uh, he came out of college um, in a very strong running back class, uh, stacked up very well against some other players and that were in that class. Um, and he uh, had a, a brutal injury towards Achilles uh, after the, his rookie season. Um, missed, came back at the very end of his second season during the Rams playoff and Super Bowl run. Um, still wasn't full strength early on last year. Uh, kind of wore down. Probably some remnants of coming back a little too early from the initial Achilles injury. Um, but then towards the end of last year, really came on strong, got out of the doghouse, uh, got on the same page with McVay and just took off. So when you look at the Rams roster, there is just such a huge drop-off in talent after uh, Cooper Cup and Cam Akers that those two players are almost certainly going to be the centerpieces of this offense. Uh, we know that McVay is not afraid to um, pepper Cup with targets, give him a huge workload. We also know that from the Todd Gurley years um, and Akers at the end of last year, the Rams are not shy about using a workhorse running back. So, uh, in my opinion, Akers currently is the most mispriced player in best ball drafts today. Currently, he's going in the 6th or 7th round, uh, at least where I'd play on DraftKings and drafters. And really, there isn't much difference between him and a lot of running backs going in the late 2nd or 3rd round. Uh, when you look at his talent, when you look at his um, likely workload and upside for workload, uh, you know, really... 
there's a handful of guys going in that late second round to early fourth round range who, um, you know, have very similar, if you just were to write out their pros and cons, um, it would look very similar among them. And Akers is going, you know, three to five rounds after these guys. So, uh, like I said, in my opinion, kind of a cheat code, maybe the most mispriced player in best ball drafts. Um, moving on, we'll check in for a DeAndre Hopkins update. Uh, the Titans and Patriots appear to be the favorites for Hopkins. Uh, he visited both teams. Um, some positive things uh, came out regarding his visits. Uh, it sounds like both teams are very interested. Um, the initial reports about the Bills and Chiefs, everybody got excited about those things. But the top contenders, those teams just don't have as much cap space to make it work. Uh, it does appear that Hopkins wants to be paid uh, something similar to Odell Beckham, who got a one-year $15 million contract. And those top contending teams just just don't can't make that happen this year. Uh, so the mo- most likely outcome, I believe, is a one-year contract for max money, somewhere that he can play and um, play a lot and kind of prove himself, prove that he's still got it. Uh, then he can try to get a better deal, uh, sign a two- or three-year deal with a contender next offseason. So uh, that's kind of my opinion. I think that um, Hopkins, uh, you know, the, the Titans and Patriots obviously are the uh, top uh the top teams being um, put into conversation with Hopkins right now. Uh, So it's just something to consider when you think about players like Traylon Burks, um, a big part of uh, him and Chig Okonkwo uh, for the Titans. Big part of their appeal currently is that they are projected for such a huge target share. But if you insert a player of Hopkins stature who's being paid a lot of money, uh, with his talent, he's going to draw a lot of targets from a relatively small pie. So, uh, you know, those players are guys who, you know, you might want to approach with caution uh, for the next couple weeks until this Hopkins situation plays out. Um, you know, if the Patriots are looking this closely at Hopkins, I think that, uh, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, I, I called Cam Akers the most under most mispriced player in best ball drafts today uh, as far as being undervalued. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster might be the most overvalued player in drafts today going in like the ninth or 10th round. Um, has really been struggling uh, the last couple of years and battling injuries. And now he's struggling with some sort of mysterious knee injury and, uh, you know, not a good sign to be the new guy in New England and sitting out all summer. So, uh, you know, especially if you're not an elite talent uh, at this point. So uh, definitely some concern for Juju there uh, and possibly, uh, you know, boosting the value of Mac Jones. Uh, we've talked about I've talked about Mac Jones as a uh, potential bounce back candidate this season. And if you were to add Hopkins to the mix, um, along with actually having a real offensive coordinator this year. Um, he could all of a sudden uh, be a guy who vastly outperforms his draft position. Uh, moving on, uh, Zamir White is getting a little bit of hype. 
as the Raiders uh, are working in camp. Josh Jacobs is not there as he has not yet signed his franchise tag. Uh, Jacobs has, you know, had some rumblings about, you know, possibly taking a stand for other running backs and trying to, to hold the line and not sign the franchise tag as a, I guess, protest. Uh, the reality is that it, he, Jacobs doesn't have a ton of leverage, um, you know, and this Zamir White hype coming out of Vegas, uh, it, there may be, um, you know, it's, there's probably some reality to it, but also a lot of it is probably just, uh, you know, leverage. These things get leaked for a reason, especially when uh, there are contract situations like this going on. So it's probably at least in part the Raiders uh, getting this out there to be like, hey, you know, Jacobs, if you want to walk, uh, be our guest. We've got some other guys that we trust as well. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, Jacobs will play on the tag or the team and Jacobs will get something worked out. Um, next, we'll talk about Taysom Hill, uh, New Orleans. Reports are that Hill's role could be expanding this year, supposedly going to get um, more receiving work than he has in the past, uh, which is really interesting. Uh, of course, we know Hill, uh, he, you know, he's used in that multi-purpose role. He's given snaps at quarterback. Uh, he'll throw passes. He'll be used in the goal line wildcat situations, um, used occasionally at tight end. I believe he caught 13 passes last year. Um, you know, so he'll throw the ball, he'll run it, he'll, he'll catch it. So kind of a, a multi-purpose weapon. Um, his role, the rumors about him getting all this work is especially interesting when you consider uh, the clouds around the Alvin Kamara situation. If Kamara is suspended or cut, Hill's role could grow even more. Um, you know, the Saints did bring in Jamal Williams, um, who had a great season for the Lions last year, but Williams is more of just like a plotting uh, pounder type back. Uh, they drafted Kendra Miller, uh, rookie out of TCU, very solid prospect, uh, but he's still re returning from a knee injury. So when you think about Hill um, potentially being used as a, as a multi-purpose weapon, um, his weekly ceiling as a tight end, which is what he's listed at on these fantasy sites, his weekly ceiling is incredible. And uh, as we talk about often on our Best Ball Plus product, that weekly ceiling is uh, really far more important for us than uh, year season-long uh, medium projections type of thing. Hill is definitely going to have some uh, weeks where he barely touches the field and doesn't do anything for you, but those weeks where he uh, does get featured and he has 10 to 12 opportunities to do something, um, you know, he, he can put up some massive games. So certainly someone that I will continue targeting as a late round tight end. Another contract situation that we can dig into, uh, JK Dobbins contract dispute. He missed, um, some time in mini camps and basically came out and said, yes, it's about business. It's about contract. Uh, Dobbins is entering his fourth year was drafted in the second round originally. Um, you know, he apparently is looking for an extension or a commitment from the team. But the reality is he's missed 27 games in the last three seasons. Um, he's just missed too much time and doesn't have enough leverage. He's 
been good when he's been on the field, but um, you know, if he is holding out at this point, I would guess that his asking price is above what a realistic market for him would be. Um, so I guess, you know, to quote Liam Neeson uh, in Taken, uh, good luck. Uh, or the guy that Neeson talks to, I guess, is the one that says it. But, you know, good luck to J.K. Dobbins um, with trying to uh, leverage the Ravens in that situation. I don't think it's going to work out for him. Uh, you know, just the questions around the situation, though, uh, do make Gus Edwards an interesting late dart throw. Um, also, you know, just something to consider that if Dobbins uh, messes around a little bit, uh, he might mess around and find out from the Ravens brass where they bring in a, another veteran. So a um, lot of questions around the Baltimore backfield right now. Uh, and finally, we will end. Uh, Hilo will love the ending to this. We're going to talk about Malik Davis. Uh, he's continuing to get some hype out of Dallas. Uh, he is expected to be the top backup running back to Tony Pollard. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy has been screaming from the rooftops how much they're going to run the ball this year. They lost Ezekiel Elliott and almost 250 touches from last season. So if the Cowboys are going to run it as much as they say, Davis should see a decent amount of touches um, and has high, very high weekly upside for his draft position. Of course, Pollard's coming back from his own broken leg injury, and realistically, he's not a guy who's going to see 25 to 30 touches in a week. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to see Pollard in a, you know, 17 to 22 touch per week role and Davis be seen 8 to 12 touches per week. So when you think about, once again, weekly upside, uh, you know, this Dallas offense has ranked... Um, has ranked top top three in the league in scoring, uh, I believe, for uh, three straight years. At least when, I should s- clarify, when Dak Prescott, in games Dak Prescott is healthy, uh, three straight years that the Cowboys have been uh, near the top of the league in scoring. So when you think about that and a player who is going to somewhat consistently be on the field and who could, um, you know, He is only behind one player currently, Tony Pollard, who is coming back from a broken leg. Uh, You know, Davis certainly, he probably has the most upside um, of any running back option in the final few rounds. Um, So certainly not someone we want to ignore. Uh, That is going to do it for this week. That is the end. You know, there's there's lots more news, but those are the main ones that I think are relevant and that we should uh, touch on and talk about to be aware of when we are uh, making our draft decisions. So hopefully this was uh, enjoyable and educational for everybody listening. Hopefully this is helpful as you draft your teams over the next week. We will catch up with you again next Monday. And of course, we will have all our theory content coming to you throughout the week. Best of luck, and we will talk soon.